passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. We are live. That's right. Make sure your notifications are on for our post show every month after every pay-per-view. I am John Pollock alongside waiting moments after Hell in a Cell featuring the main event involving Cody Rhodes' arm and Seth Rollins that headlined the Allstate Arena in Chicago, Illinois. How are you, Way? You know, um... I, I mean, I know WWE has kind of a um, a policy for not showing too much blood on their broadcast, but we saw a bloodbath today. It was just all contained within Cody Rhodes' chest. Um, one of the most incredible visuals, I would say, uh, in a main event that we've seen in quite some time in the WWE. Yeah, shocking in, in, in many ways. It's, I think, going to be a match that is going to be one of those historical matches in company history i think it's going to be the defining match that people are going to associate with cody rhodes uh not just from this for this run moving forward but i think just in his career and i i have a lot of mixed feelings about the match um but like watching it i mean i mean it was incredibly uncomfortable but at the same time incredibly compelling and one that I mean, I mean, listen, it, it sounds crazy. I also understand why he went ahead and did it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm no doctor. Um, I cannot tell you what the risks are of uh, doing something like that, at least, you know, as a, like what sort of permanent damage somebody might be risking when they are having a professional wrestling performance with um, a, a peck looking in that state. I can at least hope that there were doctors back there, back there that cleared him for a performance like this. And uh, hopefully he can still make a full recovery coming off of it. I will say, you know, it is it is not, to me, at least as concerning as, like, you know, concussion issues or neck issues. You know, we're talking about muscle here. Um, but again, you know, I'm no doctor, so I, I can't necessarily say for sure. Yeah, so just to bring everyone up to speed... Uh Cody Rhodes suffered a torn pectoral muscle. Uh, it's it's true if you uh, happen to watch uh, tonight's main event. And so so this news, um, I I first heard about this this possibility on around Saturday afternoon, and in checking around in it like that that was the word going around um, that he had s- suffered a torn pec, and he had been scheduled on Saturday night for a house show in Champaign, Illinois, 
ironically, the hometown of Tony Khan, uh, to be taking on Seth Rollins. And then that match was changed around um, with uh, Rollins working with Drew McIntyre. And then if you saw the, the video, Cody Rhodes just did a very brief run in. He was there at the building, uh, but he came out in his suit. So you you didn't see the arm or anything like that. And he did do like very basic uh, physicality. And then uh, going into today, um, uh, yeah, Dave Meltzer reported that uh, it it happened when he was lifting weights and then WWE opened the broadcast on the kickoff show and and just fully acknowledged the injury. And uh, we can pull up their exact wording because they used the same statement uh, over and over again on the kickoff show and then when it sh- it started. So um, uh, Cody Rhodes suffered a partially torn right pectoral tendon during a brawl with uh, Seth Rollins this past Monday on WWE Raw. While weight training in preparation, the tendon tore completely off the bone. However, Rhodes has vowed to still step inside Hell in a Cell tonight. Uh, so that was uh, from the uh, WWE side of that. There would have been a partial tear on Monday and then working out uh, a full tear. Um, I don't know if you would have wanted to have been uh, lifting weights when you have a, a slight tear, but a full tear Obviously, this is a much more significant I mean, injury now. You know, could could that part just be them wanting to attribute the injury to Rollins for storyline purposes? I have no idea. I I, I don't know. Um, it very well could, could be accurate. I, I don't know. But a full tear. Now you're looking at, at surgery and we, we won't know the, the timetable. I mean, there have been, you know, back in 2007, John Cena fully uh, tore his his peck right at the beginning of October. And he made that miracle recovery and came back at the Royal Rumble the following January. Uh, Hunter, um, at that Saudi Arabia show teaming with Shawn Michaels tore his pec. Uh, that was the beginning of November 2018 and he did WrestleMania by April. So, I mean, it, it's always tough when, when you're talking surgery, it's once they get in there, what they're dealing with. So it would be just, um, pointless to try and, uh, guesstimate any kind of timetable. But I mean, that's, that's looking like it's going to need surgery, way, and it's going to be uh, some time for Cody, which is, is really tough. I mean, this is, uh, especially when you watch tonight, um, th- this was a big show. As much as we look at, at the lineup for this, they had a great event. They sold out uh, the, the All-State Arena, and this this was your, your main event, and Cody certainly felt like, the no question, the biggest babyface this company has at the moment. Yeah, and I think all the more reason why we see that he, you know, did what he did and chose to go ahead with this despite the injury. If it was a match on the card that didn't have the 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 show's gimmick attached to it, if it was not the main event, I mean, I don't necessarily know if we would see, you know, at least uh we might have seen some sort of sort of performance, but I mean, it, for Cody Rhodes fresh out of the in, into the company and one to really establish himself as the guy. Um, you can understand all the pressures behind him wanting to deliver uh, not just an appearance on this show, but a performance of a lifetime. 25 minutes. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. So, um, you know, I, again, I'm no doctor. I can't tell you like what, what sort of like, you know, operation is required to heal something like this. Uh, is there a chance that, you know, uh, a bit of ice will, will hopefully <laughs> heal this? I don't know. But if it was torn right off the bone... Um, I suppose it needs to be reattached. Yeah. 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 So, um, I would, 
I would guess that this is that that aspect of things will be addressed on, on Raw tomorrow night, and maybe we're going to get, unfortunately, another one of those speeches um, that we just had one with, with CM Punk. Um, that you know now yeah. WWE's top babyface is going to be down for some some amount of time. Can a wrestler just have a week of the news cycle to themselves without some other wrestler coming and taking over with some other major? change and an event yeah a very unfortunate string of injuries right now happening in professional wrestling um but you know i guess it forces the wwe to you know have to come up with different plans because now do they bring roman back a bit earlier um do they move somebody over to raw you know to fulfill that baby face my my guess not not knowing anything my my guess would be like even more of a relaxing uh, of the brand split i just think it 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 needs to be done if you're looking at, at Cody not being there on Raw. That show is so focused on him at the moment with no championship, um, and, and I have no issue with that. I think that the, this brand split, there is no integrity to the brand split to be maintaining. You're only uh, hurting yourself by keeping these rosters separate. So, but at the same time, it's not like we have this uh, this giant uh, wave of baby faces that we can just bring in from SmackDown either. This is a this is a company that is very low on baby faces and is losing its biggest one now for uh, an undetermined uh, period of time. So it's going to be tough when you have like these big shows coming up this summer. It's it's in, in some ways a, a very lucrative time in the, the era of fixed income that you don't have that same kind of pressure. But nonetheless, you are still trying to fill these stadiums and keep your your audience engagement on your your three hour flagship show on Monday nights it's it's going to take I, I think some uh, a sh- shuffling of the cards so to speak of what they have and and what is available to them at, at the same t- token like if Cody was not able to go ahead tonight you did not have a main event unless you just hot shotted something and threw something onto the show for Rollins to you know you press the Brock button and and get him or something it's not like the, this this felt like a UFC card that was all on the main event and if the main event falls through you can't go ahead with the pay-per-view like they really did not have uh, much of a show if you lost this cell match I mean they were you know no pun intended all in on this main event as the sole attraction I mean I think there was some interest in the Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair and Oscar three-way but you when you have only one hell in a cell match and and this was it. Um, all the more and, pressure and nearly thirteen thousand people in the in this arena. It's like yeah, like this. They did very well with it with this show, and uh, you have to attribute some of that to to Cody and Seth because it wasn't. Uh, you I know, think you was, attribute it all on Cody Rhodes. Honestly, like Seth Rollins is great, but it, to me, this is hardly a hot feud. In that it, we've seen a guy go two and zero here. And I feel like if it was anybody but Cody who has that freshness and that attachment to that Chicago crowd, um, and of course the gimmick of the Hell in a Cell itself as well, I I don't know how this would have done. Yeah, like they, they did move a lot of tickets before any matches were announced, but there was further demand once they announced Cody and, and Seth, and that was the clear number one main event. I mean, so to me the question is, you know, uh, there, there's a chance that this person, you know, might be more injured after today than he was going into this and that maybe the recovery time might have been extended. But was it worth it to arguably make what feels like the hottest baby face that this company has had in quite some time coming out of this? See, I not nine times out of 10, I am always approaching this as the person on the other side of the fence. I'm not thinking about this like a wrestler that has a a sold-out arena with his name on the marquee. And looking at that, I mean, my my gut is to say 
it would never be worth like that risk. Um, but watching that performance tonight and what the legend of this match will be for Cody's career, um, you know, he very well may have had the mindset, again, a non-medical professional opinion of it's already completely torn. I can't more completely tear it. I'm going to so, have to have surgery no matter what. Let's go out in a blaze of glory. I'm facing surgery. I've done the worst I can do to this already. Now, mm-hmm. um, and the return on that is this performance that it's like this is going to be an all-time remembered performance. I don't like in this era, you are never going to replicate something Mick Foley did inside Hello in a Cell. And I'm glad mm-hmm. that we're never going to see that replicated. This is the closest thing to it. I think this is going to be your second most remembered Hell in a Cell performance. Yeah, time will tell about, about something like that, but um, it's hard to, I would say, live up to the very lofty standards of a Mick Foley Hell in a Cell or a Shawn Michaels Hell in a Cell for that. It's really, it's those two cell like matches, and then I think this one that is going to be in people's immediate memory. Like this one, mm-hmm. you just feel WWE is going to legendize this match, if yes. uh, we can borrow a dusty term there. But like, like this will be what Cody is always attached to. And for, for those that maybe saw him as, you know, the guy just in the suit every week, like this was just the ultimate gritting, like, like Hunter, Hunter going through with, with, with the torn quad and how that but was this, such a, but this, ha- this was way more visual, wasn't it? Cause we didn't uh, know there was no know. visual with, with hunters. It was only yeah. after the fact that you knew what he was going through. And again, mm-hmm. that was, turned well, into this legendary performance. I mean, they, not only that, they crafted the entire match around it. You know, uh, down to the, the, the incredibly dramatic reveal, uh, coming off of the entrance and, uh, basing the entire match working around, uh, what, what looks to be a real injury. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll dive deeper into the match a bit later on. Yes. We're going to go through the pay-per-view. I also have a few, uh, there, there, there was quite a lot of news this weekend. So I want to quickly touch on some news items after, and then we will open it up to our double, double ice cap and espresso patrons. At postwrestlingcafe.com, and we will be taking your calls at the end of this. Also, written feedback uh, available to all of our cafe patrons as well at forum.postwrestling.com. All right. How was Paul McCartney? Great. Had a great time. That's awesome. Yeah. Drove four hours there, went to see the show, had something to eat, and then drove four hours back. It was, I was a uh, little worried about you, I. I was a little worried. I, I mean, very ha- I was very happy to hear you got home. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, probably not the not the best idea in the world. But I mean, we were kind of under pressure to have to get back for one of the people um, before this afternoon. So uh turned out perfectly fine. Yeah, we, we, we all took I didn't drive more than two hours at a time, oh, honestly. So it was pretty easy. Well, let's get into Hell in a Cell. Uh, pre-show was just going over the the injury and. What what was bizarre was that they they prefaced it every time by saying uh, there are rumors circulating that Cody was injured in an attack by Seth Rollins over the weekend. That is not true. Nobody reported that. Nobody uh, said that at all. But they included that in every single explanation of the injury to Cody. Did you notice that? Well, listen, like who knows in the WWE universe what sort of press that they get, uh, what sort of newsletters or dirt sheets exist. I mean, I, I took it to be a pretty in-canon, non-real-world type of, you know, rumor. They, they yeah, anyway. So um, they made that clear right off the top. Byron Saxon did a sit-down interview with Ezekiel, which it was kind of funny. He was excited. He said, surreal for my first PLE after my watching my brother for all these years. He said, Elias walked. So Zeke could speak, and his hope is one day to be tag champions with his brother. 
I fucking loved love these. Like he's he's great. Uh, typically, like you know, they do stuff off the TV for for him to tell these stories. And I think just as an interview, he's tremendously entertaining, trying to fit things in there, talking about how this is his first show, and uh, he dreams of one day being tag team champions with his brother. Like I think he's just really good at the gimmick. And then the show, the kickoff ended with Jerry Lawler telling a story about wrestling Joe LaDuke when Joe LaDuke tore his biceps right before their match. So tying it all together. Um, WrestleTix had noted over 12,300 tickets out. So it was a sellout of the Allstate Arena, a very strong outing for the company here in Chicago. And we opened with the Raw Women's Championship match, Bianca Belair, Asuka, and Becky Lynch. Very strong reaction for, for Bianca coming out. And then we just got into it here. A ton of just inventive three-way spots that they came up with. Asuka had this incredible sequence of spinning back fists to Becky, leg kicks, and ending it with a snap German at the end. And it really picked up the audience and was kind of Asuka's big highlight of the match. Um, we saw a code breaker by Asuka delivered to Bel Air. Becky then comes off the turnbuckle. She's hit with one. And then we got... Asuka applying double ankle locks to Becky and Belair simultaneously, and then they did a double rollout. Uh, the disarmer attempt was made onto Bianca Belair, and Belair just powered, squatting up to her feet, but Becky holds on, avoiding the KOD. And then there's a double underhook on Becky, and Becky rolls. Asuka goes for the kick, misses her, and kicks Belair, playing off the angle on television. And then with Becky applying the disarmer to Belair on the ropes, there's a hip attack, and I guess Asuka was supposed to nail uh, – it, it seemed that she was supposed to knock Becky just off the apron. And Belair was like in the middle of it all. And anyway, so Becky goes to the floor. There's an Asuka lock to Becky. And she's getting out of it. She kicks off the turnbuckle. And Belair comes off the top for a double stomp. But she does not connect with any of them. And they just keep going. Belair lifts her up with the double underhooks, and Asuka goes into the buckle. There's a manhandle slam on Asuka. Becky throws Belair to the floor, but Belair returns, throwing Becky to the floor, and she is the one to get the pin on Asuka in 1856 uh, with Becky hitting the manhandle slam. So I would say this clearly sets up Bianca and Becky for a singles match after this. I thought there was a little, like, uh, the last few minutes, they missed a few things. But overall, I thought this was a, a pretty entertaining opener. I thought it was a great match. You know, I think one of the WWE specialties over the past 20 years has been their ability to book a compelling three-way dance. And uh, I thought it was a great example of it tonight. You know, incredibly high pace of action, really no breaks at all. Uh, and I thought for the most part, almost everything was well executed. If there were blemishes, they w certainly weren't enough to really make me take too much notice nor affect my overall enjoyment of the match. I thought every person in this match had an equal chance to stand out. And I think, you know, we've seen in the weeks leading up to this and the months leading up to this, they've, they've had great chemistry between the each of each of them. And when you put the, all three of them together, I, I thought it was as incredible as you'd expect. You know, we also have to kind of remember ourselves. The finish I found was interesting here because, um, Let's also, you know, remember that this original program was supposed to be Becky Lynch versus Asuka in a singles match. And Naomi was supposed to get get this match against Bianca Belair. I think we can safely say that, you know, despite what unfortunate um, occurrence might have happened with, with uh, uh, Sasha and Naomi, this was the better match. You know, I don't think Naomi versus Bianca Belair was going to touch this. And they figured out a way to still probably get to the end destination um, coming out of this as well, protecting Becky Lynch and, you know, giving Becky 
plenty of reason to want to get that match uh, afterwards because Bianca Belair stole her pin. Yeah. So, I mean, that what would you think like that happens in Vegas next month? Yeah, probably. It would seem to make the make the most sense for them to run that one back. Uh, I mean, unless it's SummerSlam that they might be holding off to, you know, like we've we saw this week. Um, Ronda didn't defend the championship. So maybe that next month is Ronda and then Bianca Belair versus Becky for the month after that. You're right. Maybe maybe this match is too big for the intimate confines of the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Maybe, maybe. MVP and Omos are approached by Cedric Alexander, who offers to clip Lashley's knee and make it a three on one tonight. MVP says you never get the job done. And the Hurt Business is done. It's never coming back. And Omos tells him, it's time for you to go. So the Hurt Business is done, everyone, a year later. And then we got a replay of MVP's diss track on Bobby Lashley, which was great. This thing was amazing. I hadn't seen it on, on the internet. I, I saw, I heard about it, but I hadn't seen it yet. They aired uh, it on uh, In Your House last night. But I, I think oh, they okay. had put it online a day before. But yeah, I only saw it on, on the uh, In Your House show last night. It was called Fall Mighty. Uh, it, it had great lines such as, uh, you know, referencing um, it Bobby said, Heenan. yeah, you needed me to rescue you from your blonde ex-wife. EC dub champ. That was a joke. As far as classic brands go, that was like new Coke <laughs> and something about him having brains like Heenan. So uh, wonderful. I thought it was outstanding. Yes. If if only like this could have been the whole buildup for, for the feud, which the, the buildup really wasn't all that. Again, that John, this. your uh, your opinions about, about the WWE will be infinitely better if you don't watch any TV and you only consume this once a month product, which again, uh, I mean, this this show continued to be, I thought really strong. Lashley against Omos and MVP. So MVP would tag in whenever Lashley was, you know, reeling from the attack from Omos and then would just tag out when he sensed any trouble. Lashley drop kicks the knee of Omos and gets him down to a knee. And then Bobby goes for a vertical suplex that did not work out for him on Omos. Uh, Omos does his snake eyes and splash. And then MVP tags in and lands a boot in the corner, allowing Corey Graves to get his Masahiro Chono reference in. Omos in charges, putting Lashley through the barricade on the floor. And Lashley makes it in at the count of nine and hits a spear to MVP out of nowhere. Omos comes in, and then Cedric Alexander appears out of nowhere and gets tossed out by Omos and sent away, allowing Lashley to then spear Omos. MVP misses the boot in the corner, and Lashley applies the hurt lock. And when MVP submits at 822, this place went nuts. I mean, this was, you know, the the Rosemont Horizon, the Allstate Arena, you know, what many talents consider to be their favorite arena to work. And you can completely understand why, because this was a Chicago crowd that elevated i would say every match on the show including this one which i think on its own was really good but i mean with a, hot, a crowd this hot uh i thought it really was excellent it might have been the best match that these two have had in their feud thus far i think they've been tremendous opponents for both guys even though this is what like the third or fourth match we're seeing between the two i think each one has been different enough we saw the cage match we saw this straight up match and this, this would be the fourth if you include mania right yeah and this was a handicap match but i think they've all Maybe maybe WrestleMania aside, they've all turned out pretty well. Um, the size of Omos has been really the perfect foil to position Lashley as a very successful babyface underdog. Uh, and I think Omos himself like played a fantastic giant. His intensity and charisma have been really good throughout this feud. 
MVP, you know, wasn't just kind of your typical chicken shit heel manager. Like he, you know, they were talking about his credentials. He like he he is a very capable wrestler, but still, I thought he hit very effectively behind the giant. And I do hope that this is the end of this feud, you know, and let the both of them move on because you had a uh, Bobby Lashley signal for the ch- taking a fan's replica title at the end of this. Yeah, he was posing with this fan's title and Graves stating he's calling his shot. So one would assume that that is setting him up and we're actually building some contenders now. If you have like Riddle in the pipeline, Randy Orton in the pipeline, Lashley, we just had Drew issue the challenge. Now we've got all these matches. We just don't have dates with this guy to fulfill all of these title matches. Well, I mean, we have Money in the Bank coming up next. So I think, you know, a number of those people would probably make their way in there. Um, Lastly, I could definitely see, or I can definitely see. It seems like Drew has already earned himself a title shot. He didn't even bother. He's like, why am I going to go win a ladder match when I can just call a guy out for this show? He he somehow has some sort of home hometown advantage that somehow grants him a, a title shot at, at that Clash of the Castle. So, But to me, it's looking like Lashley is at least, you know, somebody with a lot of... Uh, Potential to be a Money in the Bank winner this year? Yes. Uh, I agreed with you. This felt like the end of the feud, so I think we'll only get a couple more singles matches on TV. Uh, yeah. Just to, you know, <laughs> quietly uh, move on a- Listen, after this. I understand the desire to want to keep putting these two together because, again, they have been tremendous opponents for, for each other. They've really great, greatly helped each other in their new roles. But I think it's time to move on, honestly, and see if... Lashley can find that similar potential with somebody else. See if Omos and MVP can find similar potential with somebody else. We'll see. Will Omos be in a ladder match next month? Oh, good. Goodness. Goodness. I, I don't know. I don't know about that. We'll see about it. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it was fine. And it, and it got like a big reaction at, at, at the end. Uh, what was hilarious was like they've got the DraftKings sponsorship and it's like pretty much the same ad read as Excalibur, like the same mm. prop bets. It's wild. Um, they're not saying no to that DraftKings money, nor do they have the clout to uh, demand an exclusive in this uh, yeah. in this uh, in this uh, industry. Mm-hmm. Kevin Owens against Ezekiel. There was a Zeke chant at the beginning, and he drops Owens with this flying knee. Dude, Owens sold this thing. He just cl- like fell down to his knees from this this knee strike. The and Z trigger. I saw somebody uh, call it. the Z trigger. Okay, Z trigger. And then Ezekiel climbs to the top, lands an elbow drop. You're thinking this guy's going to pin Owens in 10 seconds, but Owens kicks out, and then we get into more of a match. They go to the floor. Uh, Ezekiel gets busted open here after he's thrown into the post, and Owens is just constantly yelling. He's stomping him. That's Elias. He starts fish-hooking him. Smile for the camera, Elias. Fish-hooking is not legal in MMA. In the WWE, it's more than fine. Yes, apparently so. Ezekiel comes back with some stinger splashes, blocks a stunner, but then takes a pop-up powerbomb, kicks out at two. There's another stunner, and there's a counter to a roll-up, a jumping knee on Owens, and then he climbs to the top. Owens knocks him off balance, hits a pair of super kicks, cannonball, and then yells, Elias, before stunning him and winning in 9-22. I love that, the yelling Elias before he put his victim down. I mean, Owens, of course, is has been fantastic throughout this feud. I thought in this match he did a great job weaving in his narrative throughout it. 
But I think Ezekiel has been great as well. Okay, and um, you you know you know that I'm a fan of the character, but I thought in ring he's really taken a step up. Um, the gimmick has really forced him to wrestle a different style, and it's a style that's a lot more physically demanding than what he was doing as Elias, and uh, or at least uh, what his older brother was doing. Um, so you know, I thought he showed a higher level of work rate here than we've been used to, and it was I think a, a impressive performance from him. Uh, and one that, you know, this crowd really responded well to as well. It was a nice match. And I thought all the matches were were benefited by the, this crowd. Like this audience mm-hmm. seemed to be into like everything on this show. Edge, Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley against AJ Styles, Finn Balor and Liv Morgan. They got the heat on Balor early on as Edge runs him over. He's mocking AJ with his pose. And then after a long period, Balor makes his way to the corner. Styles and Edge are in. Styles hits a Ushiguroshi sliding knee to Priest and then blasts Edge with a phenomenal forearm. And Edge is down. And the count is made. Priest pulls AJ to the floor. And then AJ tags in Liv Morgan. So we get the women in. And Liv hits a Rana, hooks the legs, follows with a Shining Wizard and a Crucifix Bomb. And the crowd is chanting for Liv. Rhea hits a half-and-half suplex. They were working very hard here. Riptide gets countered. And Rhea gets hit with an Impaler DDT. All six come in. Judgment Day is sent to the floor. And AJ and Finn hit uh, Stereo Pescados when Liv goes for a dive and nearly came up short on on Rhea. I don't know if she hooked her legs on the rope or was just uh, didn't jump far enough, but it was uh, could have been more scary. But um, anyway, came down. And then I don't know what happened here, but all of a sudden, like you see AJ after hitting the Pescado, he's cheering. And then some physicality occurred and he's down selling. And he comes back for the phenomenal forearm spot with Damien, and he's busted wide open. And there was fan footage of him just getting up off the ground where he had – I don't know if he cracked heads with someone. thats That was my only guess. Or if he had gone into the, the steps or something and just mm-hmm. hit himself hard way. But there was a lot of blood here uh, for AJ. He hits the phenomenal forearm, and that's the last we would see of AJ. Edge then sends AJ into the post, taking him out, and Edge sets up for the spear, runs into a small package from Finn Balor, who gets up, sling blade, shotgun dropkick, and goes for the coup de grace when Rhea Ripley stands in his way. So Liv jumps onto her back, taking her out. Balor can't hit the coup de grace, and Edge gets up, spearing Balor and pinning him in 16 minutes and 3 seconds. So um, uh, injury to AJ aside, um, really entertaining six-person tag. I thought so too, yeah. To my knowledge, this was this might have been my first time seeing a mixed six man in the WWE. And, you know, despite the sometimes awkwardness of like, you know, the the women having to both tag out when somebody grabs for a tag, kind of eliminates like the idea of the hot tag, you know, when you're doing that. Um, I thought everything felt pretty seamless here. And they told stories uh, across both genders incredibly well as part of this one big narrative. Every segment of the match I thought was were pretty compa- was pretty compelling. Um, and maybe, you know, uh, Pascal or, you know, Tope Tope aside, like I, I thought Liv Morgan in particular really continues to stand out as a fan favorite. Every time she tagged in there with Rhea Ripley, this crowd was reacting really strongly for her. They're really engaging with her as a baby face. And you not only have to give her a lot of credit, but I think you have to give Rhea Ripley a lot of credit as as well. You know, again, the, the size dynamic really helps in this situation. I'm not a fan. I'm not the biggest fan of Judgment Day so far, but in ring. I mean, everybody here was delivered tonight. Yeah, um, you know, watching it, like we've seen a, a, the the Edge AJ dynamic. I, I would love to see. It probably wouldn't be like a pay per view, but a TV match with with Edge and Finn. Like I thought they were really great together. 
uh, those two, and especially uh, during that end stretch uh, between them. Lashley is in the back, and he runs into his old pal Cedric Alexander, and he said that 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 was for him out there, Cedric, when he got involved and got thrown out. He says, I need to stand on my own two feet, and Lashley says he's proud of him and warns him to never mess with another one of his matches. This is the guy that was like, like took out his knee on TV and has just been, I don't know, Lashley was extremely forgiving here. Maybe he has pity on this guy. I, I think I would, you know, I've never seen a guy so desperate to want to reform a stable as, as Cedric Alexander. So, I mean, time heals all wounds, I suppose. We have a Madcap and Corbin video package, which allowed us to once again hear the line. And I huffed and I puffed and I put Madcap into a hospital. Was it not the hospital? He didn't. No, no. That was a separate segment uh, with the hospital. So out comes Happy Corbin. And Madcap Moss, who is, in fact, still Madcap Moss. Yeah, I stand corrected on Friday. But the announcers were still calling him Madcap, so that was maybe the source of my my confusion. You think people would be confused with two Mosses in WWE between uh, Madcap and O? (laughs) Maybe they're related. They could be. They could be. (laughs) So maybe maybe that's where they're going to go. I was wondering Mm -hmm. where where these... uh, where these characters were going to go after their yeah. respective feuds. So it was a no holds barred match. <laughs> the the best the best comedy of the night was Michael Cole uh here with Corey Graves and he says Pat McAfee has the night off. So Michael Cole is here for his one match. Pat McAfee, I am flying in for for Hell in a Cell. For one match are you to kidding do me? Madcap and Corbin. Yeah. So yeah. no Drew and no Ronda. I mean <laughs> Again, all the more pressure, I think, for this main event to deliver. Because can you imagine if Cody was not around? You know, they advertise um, Ronda. They advertise Drew. They advertise Cody in the center. Imagine if all three of them didn't show up. It's the ultimate sin to advertise and not deliver. As, yes, it as is. WWE has told us so many times. Unless unless the shoe is on the other foot. And then it's uh, it's out of our control. If, uh, if we want to put these people on our posters and you want to buy tickets thinking you're going to see those people on the posters, that's an assumption you're making. Mm-hmm. So uh, they fight to the entrance area and then um, it, it's Moss being you know much more serious now um, with his different gear, new music. Uh, they go by the announcer's desk and Moss throws an office chair at Corbin. Yeah, the dreaded office chair. I mean, never mind the hell in a cell. You know, we need a pay per view around office chairs. Moss runs into the is run into the steps, and this whole crowd they just want tables. And Corbin picks up on this, and he eventually goes and underneath the ring he pulls a table out. This was the loudest reaction of the night so far, and then he slides it back in. Great, great move by awesome. Corbin, and this crowd yeah. was so angry. Uh, he hits a choke slam from the apron, and then he gets a chair, and he's just delivering tons of chair shots. And dr- there's a drop toehold by Corbin, sending or by Moss sending Corbin into the chair. Corbin comes back with a deep six, and then they're chanting "asshole" at Corbin. The chair is set up in the corner, and Corbin is the one sent into it. Huge chair shots from Moss in retaliation. A DDT onto the chair, and then. A chop block is delivered to the knee of Moss, and with the steps in the ring, they're set up in the corner. Moss stops Corbin, fall away slam, sends him into the steps, punchline, and he puts the chair around Corbin's neck, lifts up the steps, and drops it onto the chair, thus shattering Corbin's neck, I guess. Mm -hmm. 
For three weeks, at least. At least three weeks. He's mm. gasping for breath as Moss pins him in 12 minutes and five seconds. And Corbin is taken out on a stretcher, which means he's coming out on TV. Sore, but ready to cut a scathing promo. Mm. Out, out of an ambulance, you think? All healed up? Oh, yeah. He'll he'll show up in, in the ambulance. You're, yes, you're right. Yes. And, uh, and, then, and then we will get his... Uh... Yeah. I have to say, um, I had negative interest in this feud and in this match when it was just, you know, thrown out there on a Friday night, but these two delivered. Um, I, I would go as far as to say this felt like one of the better matches in Baron Corbin's career. It stood out from the rest on this card in that it was, you know, perhaps, I mean, okay. Main event aside, this, this was up until this point, the most violent brawl of anything on the show. Uh, but the pace was very fast. It, it, it was, you know, very physical and, and there was constant activity. And I love Corbin continuing to fuck with the audience by going to the apron and not take it out of table and continuing to tease it. He was uh, entertaining in this match. He was, yeah. And Moss, I think, did really well here. Now that you've taken the, the, the silliness out of the character, you've taken the straps literally, literally off of him. Um, seems to be set on the right course, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping at this point too, this is a, a feud that, that breaks itself up and they're no longer attached. So we'll see if Moss can survive on his own without the, this deep storytelling that he's had with Baron Corbin. Yeah. The next step for Moss is that he's got to have a defining characteristic. Like that's just the way these characters go. Um, whether he's, you know, like your big D or whatever it is, but he, like he's got nothing right now. He's just like, He's serious. That's kind of the character. He's not laughing anymore. So Mm -hmm. like whether it's like a personality profile, a backstory, he needs something now of of substance if you're going to get serious with him. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I worry about that stuff, like what what they're going to find in his real life that's worth. uh, uh, Oh, what you uh, your great uncle was a plumber. Really? We don't have one of those yet. We have a son of a plumber. They've got the grandson of a plumber. Grandson of a plumber. I mean, yes. Then we had, I, I was looking forward to this, Theory versus Mustafa Ali. Mm-hmm. Ali is introduced as Chicago's own Mustafa Ali. And he comes out and he's got his Chicago-themed shirt with the Bulls colors. He's got the Chicago flag on his tights. There is not a doubt in the world. If this was any other company, if this was Impact, AEW, New Japan, GCW, Smash Wrestling. If this was any other company in the world, this would be like, this is a layup. It's just so easy. But in WWE, it was like, there is no way. And, I mean, it was at least in doubt. Okay. Like, I I felt it was so, it's so obvious at this point, like what they do to, to guys in their hometown, especially like in this case. But because this feud has been so one-sided with like Ali getting beaten down every single They'll week, give him a bone here and say, hey, you, yeah. you need to wait for it to play out. Yeah. But no, no, this was, uh, you know, about as a typical I WWE. Just, the cynic get. in me, I was like, man, they are making this so over the top. Like, there's no way. There's no way. Yeah. The whole crowd, dude, is chanting Ali. This is second from the top, okay? They've got a Hell in a Cell coming up. How many shows do we watch where something's big coming up? You got the cold match before it, which, let's be honest, this build has sucked, and this should have been a cold match, but it wasn't because he had a guy in his hometown going for a title that no one cares about, but tonight they do because our hometown guy is going for that title. So they're all chanting for Ali. (laughs) Byron is telling us that Mustafa's wife and children are in attendance. Of course. Oh, man. 
Theory is just bailing himself out of the ring, avoiding the fight, and Ali gets lifted and thrown into the post, allowing Theory to take over. He comes off the top, and Ali goes for a super kick and doesn't catch all of it. He's more like his knee connects. And then Theory leaps up into like this split-legged one-man Spanish fly. Ali comes back with a beautiful-looking tornado DDT, and then Ali is crotched on top. He goes for the A-Town down, but it's countered into an STF, and this crowd goes wild for an STF, and then he reaches the rope. They boo. There's a tilt-a-whirl into a draping DDT off the middle rope that looked tremendous from Ali. He climbs to the top. The crowd is, oh, my God, he's going to do it. They're all on just into this idea, and then, boom, he gets crotched. Or sorry, no, he misses the 450 splash. That's when Theory chop blocks the knee and he lifts Ali by the leg onto his shoulders. A town down, Shy Town down. 10 minutes, 24 seconds. Theory retains and takes a selfie. Guys, mm. I know everyone's going to say, oh my goodness, like Ali, you, this whole crowd was behind him. But man, dude, it was so, the heat was so incredible. <laughs> Like the crowd sounded like they didn't even have any energy in them. It was I, silent. I, I think they were running to the ticket office to try to, you know, wait in line for the next uh, on sale for a live event. Oh, dude, this I was mean, this is, was just like your exhibit A. I was like, I, I can't even begrudge it because you, you know what it is. But it was just it was amazing to watch. Like the effort they went to to dangle this in front of your Chicago crowd. Yeah. And and every one of these 13,000 people are leaving thinking, you know what? Next time Ali goes for the title, it'll be here in Chicago, and I'm going to be front row for it. I know next time. Next time he's well, going to get this title. I mean, if it's a next time, it, it, there could be a next time, but it might not be with this company. So, I mean, here's the thing. First of all, it was a very good match. Some great babyface comebacks here. Um, whether or not, like, I have to think that, you know, this whole, like, do you think that they brought Ali back at this point just for this show? Like, just to, you know, kind of peek him you know, for, for the Chicago match. I, I, I think having Fury beat the shit out of him every week on TV, <laughs> getting the better of him in every segment leading into this, including three times on Monday, so that he could come out all decked out in his Chicago gear to lose to Theory. <laughs> sure. Here's the thing. Okay. Don't ever try and leave our company. That's what I got from this. You know, on some level, like we could th um, theorize that maybe this entire feud was just is just their way of embarrassing Mustafa Ali in some sort of sick way but ultimately i kind of feel like the joke will be on them cuz if you're a Mustafa Ali fan you're a fan of his because of his fantastic wrestling and of course you want to see him win but you certainly i i don't personally think you become less of a fan of him when you see him work his ass off to deliver a great match and be booked to lose, you know, I think he still gained a lot of fans here and certainly a lot of great sentiment for whenever his contract is up. Yeah, I, I, I just feel he's in the same ricochet role, unfortunately. They're That's never going to make this guy champion, John. They're, they're Like even a U.S. champion is kind of hard for me to see. No, then then he's below the ricochet level. And, sure. and this yeah. felt like the end of this. Like, I don't know where Ali goes after this. Sitting out that contract. Actually, it would be priceless if he won the title like tomorrow. Oh, he'll probably win. Uh, I should take that back. I he think wins he, it in like the, the next city. I think he could win the 24-7 championship. Okay. Well, you, you, you could set your sights on that. Uh, Theory took a selfie with him. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast... 
Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Main event time, Cody Rhodes against Seth Rollins in the Hell in a Cell. Rollins is out in polka dots for the match. Mm-hmm. The guy, I thought Tommy Dreamer was walking out here. So there's a massive champ for Cody before his music even plays. I mean, he just felt like the biggest star on this show. As he's walking out, this place is going crazy for him. Corey Graves says that this city has historical significance for Cody in fact, this very arena was integral in his journey away from WWE. Um, very nice sentiment, but he is confusing the Allstate Arena with the Now Arena, which are not the same. Yeah, was he referring to another incident like he during the WWE? No, he said while he was away from WWE. Okay, yeah, I don't so, know that. Anyway, um, Cody removes his jacket, and there is like a hush that falls upon this crowd. And I thought it lasted for up until Seth brought the table out. It almost felt way like this crowd was a bit uncomfortable at what they were watching. Yeah, I think it was a lot of, and my timeline was very mixed. I think there was, and I think that there were a lot of people that in this day and age, I think they genuinely care about these wrestlers and their well being. And yes, you can, um, look at what a gutsy performance this is, but I th- I saw a lot of concern for people uh, about this during the, the beginning of this, and if this was a wise decision um, that maybe should have been a decision taken away from Cody. Well, again, uh, without being a doctor, I cannot tell you um, whether or not something like this is different from I I cannot tell you how much more damage you know he would have risked himself doing like this permanently than something else. Again, I will say I feel more comfortable with a muscle injury and, than you know something involving the neck and the head. Um, Which he would not have been doing the match if that was the case of a neck yeah. or head injury. Of and I have to tr- honestly like you know have at least some faith in in the, in the medical professionals in the back that that would have cleared him for this sort of match and this sort of performance. Um, Again, I, I I'd love to hear from uh, somebody in the medical field about you know uh, what what a uh, what this sort of tear would be like and, and the amount of risk that he was taking compared to you know something else. Yeah, I mean for what it was though, I mean it was just an unbelievable performance and and I thought from both like I don't I don't think Seth should be shortchanged in oh my in god any are you kidding discussion. me? He this was is much terrific. Of a, this is much of a of an accomplishment for for Seth as it is for for Cody Rhodes. I mean, he is working with a man who basically can only work with half his body, right? And, you know, um, the bulk of the heavy lifting literally was was on Seth Rollins. So 
he starts off and early on he is able to hit a disaster kick and he's wincing in pain and then hits a Cody cutter. And this crowd is just like they're stunned at what they're watching and processing at, at the beginning of this. He goes for a crossroads and Seth stops it by raking him in the eye. And Cody applies a figure four. Seth gets to the rope and then uh, climbs to the floor, getting out a kendo stick to start nailing Cody with it, jamming the kendo stick into the pectoral region and then sending Cody into the fence. Uh, Cody is using his left arm for offense. Like you can even see like he can't even lift the, the this arm. It's like mm-hmm. it is so debilitating for him. The steel steps are incorporated and blasted onto the bad side of Cody. And then Seth reveals that he has brought a polka dot weightlifting belt and begins whipping Cody with the belt over and over again, which is going to just make his trip home that much more comfortable. Well, listen, welts all over your back. Hey, man, if you're going to go out anyway, then sure. Why not? This is a guy who's willing to burn himself, you know, on TV just for a TV match. So then a table is brought out by Rollins, and this crowd just comes alive at this point, at the sight of the table, to the point that they're chanting, thank you, Rollins. And Rollins ends up setting up the table and missing a splash, crashing through the table, and it's Cody that takes the polka dot weightlifting belt, tosses it away, and he goes under the ring, and he has his own bag with a cowbell inside, and this leads to our impromptu cowbell match between a Texas bull rope match between these two in the middle of the ring where he challenges Rollins to tie his wrist to the rope. And they have this tug of war ending with Cody nailing him with the cowbell and generating a two count. Cody then stops a power bomb, hits the first crossroads of the match, which Rollins kicks out of. And Rollins is just snaps the arm into the mat and power bombs Cody through a table in the corner And they've got this camera angle down at mat level. And right at two and a half, Seth or or Cody on his bad side gets the shoulder up. And it was an incredible near fall because you're seeing the bad side of the arm and how much it takes him just to get the shoulder off of the mat. Rollins brings out the sledgehammer and he is stopped by, by Cody. Seth goes for the pedigree. Cody counters it. And Cody hits the heel turn. The pedigree. I mean, in this context, though, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not so sure. Represents I'm just saying, he finally here. hit the move. Yes, yes. He hits it, and Cody continues going after him, slides into the ring, and and by the way, the pedigree was, was a kickout for Rollins. And then as Rollins uh, gets back into the ring, he nails Cody with a curb stomp, Rollins then hits a crossroads. Cody rolls through. He hits his own. So both are down, courtesy of the crossroads that each one is hit. And Cody beats him to the sledgehammer. He can't hold on to it with his arm. He kicks the sledgehammer away from Seth and hits back-to-back crossroads, stops, takes the sledgehammer, and nails Seth with the sledgehammer, keeping him down in 24 minutes and 21 seconds. What's going to be a memorable, memorable match and one that is what was uh, both gruesome and compelling uh, to watch for the 24 and a half minutes that they had. But this will be a match that is going to always be tied to to Cody. Yes, it will be. And I think, you know, when it, when it comes time for Seth Rollins to have that retrospective about his career, this is as much, again, his performance and his masterpiece, I will say as well. I was not expecting 
this, um, even with the injury. You know, I think at most Cody could have come, come out here. He could have, um, you know, d- d- done a few spots. And I think even that Cody cutter attempt in, on it in its own into a stomp from Seth Rollins, for instance, one, two, three. Would have been not as satisfying, but I think we would would have all understood, especially seeing the visual of what that injury looked like. The fact that they ended up having the type of match that they ended up having is just incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, using you know this real life injury to uh, some great storytelling advantage. Uh, the bull rope was really interesting to me because I had wondered if that was always the plan or if it was brought in here as some sort of measure to. Um, Maybe maybe help the the fact that he only had one side to work with and maybe allowed him some some sort of, you know, extra gimmickry to to get get through the match. In either case, I thought that it was used very effectively. I think the Triple H callbacks with the sledgehammer were also very well used. And ultimately, a storyline that they kind of hit on only in this final week is the fact that both of them are after Triple H's throne. Um, and Seth Rollins, of course, you know, somebody who very much thinks that he he's the rightful owner of it. Uh, and Cody Rhodes also thinking that as well. So um, I thought that was a really nice touch and in, in, in effectively used here. But beyond that, I mean, we saw a lot here in, in the form of like um, the crossroads counters. Uh, we almost had like a Newton All Japan Pro Wrestling no sell type of exchange here between, you know, Cody getting hit with Seth Rollins crossroads and then toughing it out so that he could hit his own before the double down. And then the finish itself, the two crossroads and ending with the sledgehammer, again, very symbolic of the Triple H throne storyline. Just a wonderful piece of storytelling here, I would say, and uh, incredible, incredible professional wrestling performance from both men. Yeah, and you come out of it with Cody, in fact, winning all three of the matches, which was, I think that's really significant of, you know, this kind of a match that you, you know, you, you very well could have had Seth just just win and you have the out. But instead, I think for just the legend of this match, the way it worked out, um, I, I think you they, they went for like this the incredible gutsy performer gutting out the, this victory, and this is an incredible three match series that they had from WrestleMania to Backlash, and now this one, this one very different from the other two, um, but all to me incredible matches when when you look at them, and I think with Seth as well, like that's. Um, I'm very interested to see where where he goes um, after this because just looking at like the raw side of things, my thought was that it is now the time you sort of turn Seth around in, into a babyface role because you really need some babyfaces and you don't really need another mid card heel that Seth is at the moment. So I'm kind of curious where he goes after this as well. But I think there's going to be a lot of interest in raw tomorrow night, just to see the follow up of this and how much circulation these photos are going to get uh, people that did not watch the show. And this is going to be one of those that I think people are going to seek it out just because it's, I mean, this is a, uh, this is going to have yeah. a lot of attention be for all the reasons that we've listed. It's the type of uh, performance that, almost makes you wonder if like any mainstream press might pick it up because um it's not just storyline like you saw on tv you know um somebody looking like that go through an incredible physical feat having this sort of match so um yeah that'll be interesting to see and if they certainly like honestly they could have turned rollins as a baby face at any point and this crowd would have bought into it because time and time again like despite maybe how you and i might feel about that fake laugh 
in ring, he is uh, he has always been a tremendous performer. And every single time he does one of these matches, whether it be against Cody or whether it be against Roman Reigns, he is flirting with the crowd, really wanting to cheer for him. And they did here in this match. So they just have to pull that trigger. And, you know, all you have to do tomorrow is Cody gives his heartfelt speech tomorrow Mm -hmm. night. Seth confronts him. Comes out and instead it's the the two embrace in the middle after this this trilogy that they have had. Didn't, and he, they, didn't they already do that? I guess he came out and challenged him again, didn't he? Yeah. Well, I I, th- I think to to like cap off the feud and the two just you know that that could be a direction you go. You you really need baby faces at, at this moment. W- one other thought that that does come to mind as well is that I think after you you see something like this. I think like it's it's really tough. I would say like if you are a performer, like, and you're dealing with an injury, I think it's really hard to have both. Like you're conflicted. I think by you know the mm-hmm. amount that it took to go through with a match like this, and at the same time, you want your locker room to be able to listen to their bodies that are might not have anything as um, grotesque as this uh, visually, but. At the same time, like it's it does send a message about like how can I complain when I just watch this from somebody else in our locker room? Yeah, it, it's true. It's true. You 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 do sort of set a precedent. At the same time, I mean, these moments are sort of like the magic of like sports that we kind of you know um, put on, on a pedestal, whether it be in a real sporting a- activity or the Olympics or uh, you know in in professional wrestling. I I mean, this was, I think, a, a special circumstance considering that it was the main event. It was the only Hell in a Cell match on a show called Hell in a Cell. Um, I feel like there's some extra leeway being given to a main eventer in a scenario like this in, where a show completely hinges on him. If it was somebody injured, let's say, on a, I don't know, undercard match um, or kickoff match, for instance, I don't think they'd be allowed to to go and go out looking like this. So, um but yeah, like if you're talking about an independent wrestling show where like a, a wrestler has this sort of injury and wants his little moment in front of like 23 people, um, maybe it sets that precedent. But I, I hardly, I don't feel like the WWE did wrong in this scenario. It would have been an, an interesting dilemma that it let, let's just say he had the partial tear, mm-hmm. and do you go ahead and risk? a full tear by going out and doing a main event match. That's a really difficult question because you are you just looking at tonight versus okay, this guy could be out for a month, but a full tear, he's out a lot longer. Instead the full tear, it's like the damage is done at that point. Yeah. Well, I think the answer would be yes in this scenario. But again, considering the fact that it's the only Hell in a Cell match on this show and because, you know, he's arguably the biggest baby face on the show. And let's also remember, like, this is professional wrestling. They could have just gone out there and delivered a five-minute match. You know, that was still satisfying while being protective. Um, they instead went all out. Uh, again, no pun intended here. With, with the match and focused the story of the match on that injury, working over that injury throughout the whole thing. And I don't know if that's just simply them saying, hey, well, he's going to go for surgery anyway. Let's just kind of... <laughs> kill this thing as much as we can um but i again seeing the result tonight i it's hard for me to find a complaint yeah no it was uh certainly going to be the most talked about thing from the show just a few news items before we go to feedback uh so the the update 
coming out of Rampage uh, to set up the interim championship is that we will have the Battle Royal on Wednesday. The winner of that Battle Royal will take on John Moxley in the main event on Wednesday. And then next weekend at Dominion, Hiroshi Tanahashi will take on Hiroki Goto. And the winner of that will face the whoever comes out of Wednesday for the interim championship at the Forbidden Door. And it's worth noting that uh, Goto... It was one of the few that did beat Moxley in the G1 a number of years ago. But I don't know how many people are holding their breath that it will be Goto going to Chicago for the Forbidden Door. Yeah, they could surprise us all. And maybe it wouldn't be Mox even. You know, maybe it'll be Goto versus, you know, um, Peter Avalon if he makes his way into the Battle Royal. Um, I imagine it will not be Goto and Peter Avalon at the United Center. That would be my my educated guess. Um, Yeah. also, Scorpio Sky noting that he went into Rampage with his knee bothering him and then strained a muscle going from his knee through his groin. And after that happened during the match with Dante Martin, his right leg was useless after that. And he is hoping that it is nothing serious. So uh, wishing the best for him. That's uh, that's unfortunate. And then we had the story today that uh, Brian Danielson was unable to uh, fly to Massachusetts for a meet and greet. And the venue had stated that he was injured. That coming from Fightful. And then... Uh, the Wrestling Observer site has um, they cited two sources that have noted um, that he's only expected to be out one to two weeks. Um, so if that is accurate, um, doesn't sound like it's too serious. He wasn't on TV this week after the Anarchy match, but would uh, prevent him from being in the Battle Royal on Wednesday, which is unfortunate because I looked at him as a really interesting uh, player in the, in this whole thing to mm-hmm. potentially come out of that at least come out of the battle royal and gives you an excuse to do danielson and moxley on tv yeah yeah well i mean at, at least at this point you know their their choice is kind of made for them and really it does feel like mox is the favorite honestly it feels like it's just a very complicated way of getting to moxley versus tanahashi um but the effort is what we appreciate right in them trying to tell that story before we get to some uh, calls here, let's go to some super chats. And we thank all of you guys watching us live at youtube.com slash post wrestling. Please subscribe, everybody. We're trying to get those numbers up to get these shows a bit more visible as, as, as possible. We go to Sam, who sends $5 Australian. Thank you for the support, Sam. He says, not too often I get to catch you live in Australia. So just a tip for the support. It's awesome. Thank you, Samuel. DJ Convoy sends $5 as well. He says, dangerous and irresponsible to let Rhodes compete. And willing, winning is baffling. WWE should be held to task for this. Cody should be held to task for this. I mean, you're going to have that response from a lot of people. And I think not knowing, you know, what was assessed with with Cody. I mean, we are going based on like visually it looked horrifying. And I I can't say like that that opinion. We're not we're not doctors, you know, Um, like sometimes bruises are. Again, I can't I, I honestly can't say, but it's also I think wrong for us to say like what what they shouldn't have done either. Um, but without knowing a bit more detail about exactly like what the, what this sort of thing looks like. I mean, we, you've seen John UFC fights where like guys continued after like having muscles that were like, you know, like pulled off and, you know, down to like, you know, a portion of their bicep, for instance. Um, they could, they could have told him like very well that like, listen, you have done as much damage as you're going to. It looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to do anything worse. Um, I actually of of what he lists here, I I would not be holding Cody to task for this. I think he if he was willing to go ahead with this like that, that is the company and their medical staff to make that call. If you're Cody 
you're headlining this show and you want to go ahead with it. I totally understand having that mindset to want to go ahead with it. And, you know, if, if, if there was, if their medical staff deemed it too dangerous, yeah, you would hope that they would, uh, step in and do that. I, I, I can't say if that, if that was the case or not, but I completely understand why Cody wanted to go ahead and, and do this. And the fact that he did, uh, 25 minutes, uh, of a match, like they obviously that, they earmarked that amount of time for the match. So they obviously had confidence that he could go ahead and do this of what had been laid out. They could have just structured a 10 minute match and it's Seth just destroying him and limiting like what was necessary to get to a finish and a satisfying enough match. But they, they blocked off the last half hour of the match for this, Mm -hmm. of the show for this. I'd go as far as to say, I mean, I know it, it was probably an incredibly painful, you know, 25 minutes for Cody, but I think in his brain, he was loving every second of it. This is the type of moment he's been after. You know, every time he's gone out there and have has fallen through like a giant ladder or has lit himself on fire uh, for the sake of wanting or, or dove off of a, a, a top of a cage with a giant moonsault or something like that. He's been looking for moments like these. He's been looking for his Mick Foley Hell in a Cell type of moment. The type of this moment. This was that. This was that yeah. for his career. And you can li- listen, it might sound crazy to the average person. For a wrestler, for if that is what you are seeking, it's like, okay, I might do worse damage to this, but like this is this is what I'm doing this for. And I am going to be able to l- live off of this. And mm-hmm. this will be remembered for as long as I'm wrestling, people are going to remember this performance, and that is worth the risk that I am willing to take and the potential ad- additional damage I-, I might do. Like that is a that is a calculated decision that some of these performers make. Traverse Cummings sends us a couple super chats. First, two seventy nine just to support, and then six ninety nine. Thank you very much, Traverse. He says, side question to me: Are you looking forward to the new Dragon Ball Z movie? Also, that was a great B-level pay-per-view from WWE. Congrats to Cody, or props to Cody. I actually have no idea what this Dragon Ball Z movie is about. I've not really been paying attention much to Dragon Ball Z news. So, um, can't say I am, so apologies. But thank you for the support anyway. Bob the Builder sends $5 and asks, If Rock can't do WrestleMania next year, do you see Cody versus Roman main eventing? Um, that would... I, I, w- I would say, yeah. I, I would say that would be... and. I think that feels like an even bigger match now. And mm-hmm. if all parties are healthy and available, I would, you, you could make the argument that like for, for, for long term, that, that would be what you want to be building to as it is. If you can't get a definitive answer from Dwayne Johnson until next year. And I mean, that, that would be the, the place to do that. I mean, Cody's motive for entering the WWE is to win the championship. And, you know, uh, when he stated it the night after WrestleMania, it, it might have been hot enough, I think, to at least be a SummerSlam main event. But maybe coming off of a performance like this, I mean, there's certainly a chance that you, you can main event a WrestleMania with it. And I would say that there's still a chance of him doing it, even if it's not against Roman Reigns. They do have two championships, of course. Um, so, you know, we don't know if Roman will be undisputed champion for the whole year. He could potentially lose one and maybe defend one against the rock work while Cody goes up against somebody else to win that championship. Um, but that is a major storyline that I think they will, you know, really, you know, see to fruition probably at some point in the next year. 
Thank you, Bob. And finally, we got a pain who sends two pounds just to say didn't watch the show, but just want to show support. Thank you so much for the uh, constant support there from all of you guys sending in your super chats. Now we go to some phone calls here uh, at uh, available to our double double plus patrons. And let's go start off here with uh, Ryan. Ryan, are you there? Yes, sir. Hey, Ryan, what's up? What do you think of uh, Hell in a Cell? Man, both these shows, the backlash and uh, the show tonight, they, people just go crazy for tables. I don't know what's going on with the fans nowadays. Um, yeah, they, they, what did they, you guys they think about? Uh, what did you guys think about Bobby Lashley trotting out with the fake championship? And is, do you think they might go to him, pivot to him sooner than Cody because Cody's hurt? It's a good question whether or not like the Cody injury uh, changes anything. But for me, I just kind of felt like it was him saying, you know, hey, I'm done with Omos. Uh, my my sights are set on the championship. And to me, it would be like a money in the bank situation that I'd see him maybe a, a likely candidate. But they could just, yeah, like upgrade him to a championship match at money in the bank, for instance. What do you think, John? Um, Yeah, I mean, they, they teased it. It's um, but, me, but it's, Roman like- has to be back for that. Yeah, that's that's the big if, and I, I think you're you're more so going in the riddle direction right now. So, mm. just keeping him hot on the back burner. Yeah. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you, Ryan. Ryan, is this is this also you? That's also in this room right now on this other connection. Uh, yes, sir. I think I got in there twice. Got it. Did you go to the show live tonight, Ryan? Yes. Yes, sir. T- well, tell us something about the the live experience. Like, okay, what, what, what I, the big I used on lo- I used the on location, which is the new, uh, I guess, premium guest experience. And before the show, I got a, a meet and greet where we had like uh, little appetizers and free beer. And then I got my picture taken with Baron Corbin. And then after that, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch came in and I got my picture taken with them. Okay. So you and got then it? I got to, and then they toured us around the ring. I got to touch the cage. Got oh, to have my oh. picture taken with the backdrop. So it was, it was a pretty uh, premium experience. Now, how, okay. how did the crowd seem like in your area for, for the main event? How did, how were they? they I, they were everything that you said. They were they were sympathetic to Cody, but they were also you know loved him and loved the cowbell. But they also I heard I heard the the chance of thank you Seth when he started bringing the table out because these crowds just seem to be nuts for tables now. Yeah, like it's 1996 or something. <laughs> Did you notice like that big hush after seeing the the um the the injury to Cody? Um, like like the commentators were alluding to. Yes, I I noticed it was red at first, and then it, as the match went on, it turned uh, you know black or purple or blue almost. Oh, it was every shade of you know <laughs> every shade, chili, every shade of the rainbow. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ryan. Uh, hope hopefully you had a good time tonight. Thanks oh, a lot, good. Ryan. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right, let's go up next to Hansi. Hansi, welcome hey. to the show. What's up? What's going on? Um, no, I was, was going to say that I again, as always. Uh, the pay-per-views with WWE, they always, like, you know, they do well, like, as one-offs. Just the creative, you like, I, I imagine, like, when it's AEW, I'm already scrambling to go, okay, so what's next for these guys? What can probably be done? But, like, I just know with WWE, I'm going to probably get these matches again tomorrow for, like, the, the next couple of weeks, right? But as a one-off show, I got to say, like, you know, the, I let, the, the women's match and the Hell in the Cell match were probably the strongest matches. And, again, the whole Ali thing, it's like, Again, if this were, if this were, if this were AEW, like, you know what I mean? Like, even if he didn't win, it just, he, he wasn't in a position to even, like, look good at all, like, throughout the whole build. And then you think that, you know, like, they had to be doing it as an inside joke at this point. You know what I mean? I saw someone on Reddit call, uh, 
that Cody Rhodes had called the, the pedigree the Hunter Driver 96. And I thought that was awesome. And I just think that, that was a good one. But, uh, but the, the thing about the, about the Hell in the Cell match is like, I understand. The thing is, I come from an era where like, when a lot of people who are consuming it didn't care about like, oh, well, just chair shots and all, it's all this stuff. People work hurt. And then, you know what I mean? And then when you started like over the last decade, 15 years or so, we started paying more attention to it. It's kind of like you guilted a whole fan base into going, hey, you guys should know the repercussions of what happens and you shouldn't want like all these guys to like go balls to the wall like that. You know what I mean? And it just feels like, I, I understand completely. I understand the whole reasoning why Cody did it and all that. I'm just saying that it feels like we're regressing a little bit where now that might be, like for example, I, I it wouldn't shock me if like Dave Meltzer tomorrow reported, you know, Vince McMahon really respected Cody Rhodes for doing what he did, and he's going to give him, like, a main event title shot. And to me, I just think it's going to set precedent with other people who think, oh, I got to work hurt, you know what I mean? And it feels like we're going back in a cycle. That's just my worry about it, although I did enjoy what was being done by, like, you know what I mean? Again, I'm a wrestling fan, but at the same time, if I feel bad about what I watch, I also got to feel because then you got people online who are like, you're going, oh, you guys really care that much, huh? Stop being pussies and all that. Like, like there's people already going, CM Punk is a pussy, and Cody Rhodes actually went through his shit. It's like, dude, come on, are you serious? Like, that, that's like the one thing. I don't, I, I, I don't even want you to boost those people, Hanzi, by mentioning them. I mean, this oh, no, no, is a completely it's, it's, different situations. But well, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Um, Again, this is a uh, – I think this is a different circumstance. And again, without any of us being medical professionals – I think I'm open to the idea that there are injuries that look worse than they actually may appear. And I'm hoping that this is one of those situations. You know, we know, I think, enough about the neck. We know enough about the brain that if it was either of those two things, I agree with you. I would have not been cool with it. If it was Kota Ibushi with his, you know, with a separated shoulder, I don't think I would have been cool with it. But a muscle tear... Again, I would love to hear from a medical professional, you know, in the days ahead about exactly what the prognosis for something like that is and whether or not this was a a risk that was educated. And considering the circumstances of this main event being what it was, um, maybe a risk that they, that they considered was was worthwhile to take. All right. No, that's cool. And listen, and, and you know, you're, you're totally right about not boosting those people up. The thing is, right. I don't know if you, if you go on Twitter, right. Even people you don't follow because I guess people are leaving like the, the social media platform. What it does now is that on your, on your main timeline, they have topics. So even people who you're not following and they get boosted up, you see like, you know, in wrestling topics. So cause my algorithm is all wrestling. Even people I don't follow. They pop on your timeline. It's like they kind of do it on purpose. So that's why I was seeing it. So when I saw like many propped up accounts saying like, oh, CM Punk couldn't go through with it. It's like, come on. Like, like, it's like, are we really getting there as fans that we are going to like, like shit on someone for like, we're not people? only a few people. I mean, uh, maybe a, a number of people are, but those are the same people that like, you know, are causing a, sh- a shit storm every, every single Thursday when the ratings come out and I choose <laughs> not to pay attention to them. And I All don't right, think well, you should okay. either. Well, you know, guys, listen, good, good show as always, guy, and uh, yeah, I'll take it easy. And thanks for letting me on, man. Peace out. Thanks, Thank you, Hansi, as always. Uh, let's go up next to Alex. Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. yes, we can. Hey. Oh, okay. See, so I watched this show uh, today, and I was watching it at home. And first, I just want to say, like, that women's triple threat was fantastic. Like, mm-hmm. like you guys, like you guys mentioned, WWE does such a fantastic job with booking triple threats, especially. I noticed with the women, like they always do a really good job with those. And I think 
um, I just I love that match. And then for mm-hmm. the for the main event, like when Cody took off the jacket, like I love horror, I love gore, but the minute I saw that, I immediately just turned away, and I had such a visceral reaction, and I just both loved and hated that main event for that reason. That's like. Just seeing Seth drive the kendo stick into it, just doing all those spots with with mm-hmm. that injury, I just I, I had to look away so many times. Certainly. Now, because you're a fan of horror, I mean, we know uh, the, the, it's an art. You know, it's an art to to make something look gory and not actually have it hurt. Um, many of much of much of the the illusion is is you know applicable in professional wrestling as well. Where a spot like that, you know, sticking a kendo stick in, into, into somebody's arm. Rollins could have been completely holding back and could have been the lightest thing in the world. We don't know because, I mean, I'm assuming you have not, never wrestled uh, a man with a kendo stick with a torn pec before. Um, Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, oh, mm-hmm. no, I was just going to say, like, I think for me at this point, what I would like to see is, like, I kind of, for me, all the other Roman challengers are kind of now, like, at a different, at a level beneath Cody at this point, and like, in my own head fantasy booking this, I just want to see Cody come back, like, at a Royal Rumble if it's as serious, if it's very, if it's a serious injury, which I hope it's not. I hope he's, he's, he's okay, but I guess we'll know tomorrow. But if he comes back, like, at a Rumble, wins that, and then gets his huge main event in, in, uh, in Inglewood and just wins the title, I just, man, I just, that's, that's what I want to see at this point, because everyone else just seems, so second rate at this point, which is which is horrible, especially like having that be the reason for it, him working with such a with with such an injury. But like you said, it does come down to like the visual of it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for the call, Alex. Yeah, thanks, guys. Great Much job. Appreciated. Thank you. Uh, thank you, all of our Double Double Plus patrons, for their phone calls. We can uh, we we always allow them the opportunity to call in for these uh, pay per view post shows. Uh, whether it be WWE or AEW. And now we go to forum.postwrestling.com where all of our patrons at postwrestlingcafe.com can uh, leave written feedback. Would you like to start, John? All right. Let's go to uh, our first one here is Manny from Pacoima. Much like MJF was the talk of Dynamite and Punk's announcement was the talk of Rampage, Cody was, was all we will probably remember about Hell in a Cell. He must really want the adoration of fans to put himself through this match, and boy, did it really heighten the match. I do wonder if Money in the Bank plans will change, but nonetheless, much respect for Cody for continuing with the match. Do you feel if this happened on Dynamite, the crowd would be against Cody? I have no idea how to answer that question. Um, if it happened on Dynamite, the crowd, okay, because like AEW, at least when, when Cody was there, they were kind of anti-Cody. Um, I don't, I don't know. It's really hard to say. I mean, they're almost very different, um, chapters of, of Cody Rhodes's career. You know, you can argue that what was happening towards Cody at the end was, um, that effect, like those, those reactions were, were not just an effect of maybe what he was willing to put himself through in the ring, but also the content of his promos and the content of the character. Uh, whereas in the WWE, I don't think he's had any of those issues. All of his promos have been connecting the way they exactly should. Um, and I would say, you know, by really all, all accounts, like they, they've been doing a fantastic job of, of pushing him so that, but when you get to this point in this main event, in this situation with that injury, uh, I, I thought it was almost a perfect storm, you know, set up for an ultimate babyface performance. So hard to say. And we go to, uh, Kate who wants to say, Overall, a very good show, as many of WWE's lesser pay-per-views are these days. 
I love the women's match, and I thought the show elevated some new people, which they need to do with Roman taking a lesser role. I love the women's match, although I wouldn't have had Asuka take the pin. She still feels like the fresher matchup for either Bianca or Becky. Um, Be that as it may, I mean, Becky versus Bianca is the bigger match, you know, um, even if it's a rematch. Um, I think to a more casual audience, you know, it might be something that they're building up for money in the bank, um, but it's big enough, I think, to to be a SummerSlam co-main event. I think that's what I, I think that's where you want to go. And this this was going to be a pay-per-view where Bianca and Becky were going to get wins in separate matches. And instead, you had to do this makeshift match and, and keep those give give a reason to go back to it. So um, it I was mean, a very it depends well- on like the direction that you you want to be going. If that's how, what's the best way to get to Bianca or Becky, that was the finish tonight. Yeah. Where do you think the pressure on top tier wrestlers like Cody, Kenny Omega, or, and Kota Ibushi, either from themselves or their employers, to perform with pretty serious injuries, although the photo, full extent of Cody's might be better than it looked, will stop? Or will it? Yeah, Kate, we've kind of spent the almost the entire show you know, talking about that aspect. Um, uh, again, not knowing the extent of this sort of injury, it's hard for me to say. But we're also talking about a company that like, I think has taken more steps to for safety than than they have ever have in the past you know this is a company that at one point um we're stopping matches because of blood so um and then they're not doing that anymore i mean but yeah, yeah. To, to to the point about that i mean yeah i i think are, are we going to see situations where you know there's um a potential concussion in the middle of a match i mean we saw last like we saw with Jeff Hardy last week, and I know we're, we're switching companies now, but that match, you know, continued. Uh, but then, you know, they they pulled him from TV this week. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's – I don't think you're ever going to see a consistent line. But I will say I think there is going to be a consistency among performers that I would imagine the vast, vast, vast majority of people in a spot like Cody's in a main event situation would want to go through with the match. And that's that to me is not pressure from management. That is – pressure from these performers to push themselves yeah. in in these kinds of situations so I, mm-hmm. I do not think it is a case of just upsetting the company or something like that i believe cody 100 percent wanted to go through with this regardless of um what anyone else thought yeah no doubt again i i also really would like to emphasize perhaps you know further investigation into the differences between a muscle tear versus you know, this sort of thing that we've been talking about for decades now when it comes to neck injuries and brain injuries. Um, I think those are things we know more than na- enough not to play around with. But this sort of muscle tear, I, I'm i willing to at least, you know, be open to the idea that this was something that was relatively safe enough to work with. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have to, you know, uh, re- rely on people that are experts in, the, in that field as well. Um, but that is all the feedback that we have. I think we are uh, at, at the end of things. So before we wrap up, uh, just a quick uh, overview of what's coming up the next couple of days. Uh, we will not be doing the new show on Monday because uh, it's a late night for us tonight with Hell in a Cell. But we will be back Monday night with Rewind to Raw going through uh, any other news that is going to be happening over the next 24 hours and developments uh, with this story and what happens on raw so you check out that and then tuesday we're back with the new show at 1 p.m eastern time and tuesday night for post wrestling cafe members it is going to be volume five of the wildly popular series pollock and ting talk yes uh i mean i would say one of our main attractions at this point in the post wrestling cafe uh, according to at least a lot of the feedback i've heard um we're 
once a quarter, it seems. John and I get together and just talk about anything but professional wrestling. Yes. And I am, uh, as my voice is, uh, I, I have really been struggling the last couple of days, but I'm going to gut my way through it. Way I am going to, uh, perform and, and go and talk this, this oh, week. Oh, no. How are you going to reveal it dramatically? Um, maybe I'll take a kendo stick to your throat. Huh? Oh, boy. That? I couldn't take it. I'd tap out. Uh, so that that is coming up the next couple of days. We'll be doing uh, the post-daily news show Tuesday through Friday this week. Uh, so to look out for that. And then all of our other regular shows, uh, the return of MCU later on Thursday with Miss Marvel kicking off on Disney+. Plus. So mm-hmm. waiting and WH Park starting off a brand new season of MCU later. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's another character. I mean, I know a little about, but probably not as much as many of you. So if you guys are going to watch it, let us know what you thought. Yes, absolutely. So postwrestlingcafe.com, this week you will get talk, you will get MCU later, Rewind to SmackDown, and the audio version of the post-daily news show is available in your podcast app with your RSS feed as well. So that that is all for us. I'm going to say goodbye because uh, my voice is about to die. So for waiting, thank you for listening, everybody. And that concludes your Hell in a Cell post show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 